Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. had one of those nights and it was fun to see our guys really seek him out. Good morning. Welcome in Herd at Sports Radio. I'm Andrew Rogers alongside me Anna Bellinghausen today in for Ravi Lula. We are live on ESPN Radio, ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. You can catch us on the stream. Join us in the chats on YouTube, on Twitter, and uh, we've got a great show planned for you today. A uh, home hoops Tuesday that we will react to. Some good guests, Brian Christofferson coming your way at 8 o'clock, Kevin Suits at 8.30, and Brett Sobleski at 9 o'clock. We'll talk a little bit about the NFL playoffs, so some about the coaching movement mixed in there. Some conversations about perspective. We have Major League Baseball Hall of Famers to get to, and you know what? We'll close out with a little bit of trivia. But first, Anna, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Andrew. You had a long evening and will have a long week ahead, but let's start with Creighton. Yeah, Creighton, great win for them. I, I was talking to Ryan Kalkbrenner after the game, and we were just kind of laughing about how hard it is to win in the Big East because I feel like sometimes it goes underappreciated. You, you look at a Xavier team, you're like, Creighton should win this game, right? Uh, on paper, of course, but... Creighton should win every game. <laughs> honestly, yes, on paper, but then you get to the uh, to the point of, of the game, and Creighton's down by seven, but finds a way to come back in that second half, and then pulls away at the end, um, and, and really showed some dominance down the stretch there, and you had Baylor Shireman just absolutely go off and get the crowd into it, so it was, a, it was a great win, I think, just for the resume and for the confidence, especially when you look at a team that just came over from from uh, a Seton Hall win and triple overtime. And uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner, he was tired. He was like, man, I was huffing and puffing out there, but uh, found a way to get it done. And I think it's a it's a big win for, for momentum for Creighton. Well, Kalkbrenner especially gets just bullied down low mm-hmm. all game. And that's not like a, a, in a negative connotation. 
Uh, it's just he, he's constantly fighting Damn. for position. So it, it doesn't shock me that he, he comes off the floor at, at various points in the game and uh, is like, I need a swig. Yeah. I need a seat. I just need a break for a hot sec. You know, guard play is, is a lot easier because it's less demanding on the body. Now, yes, you have to create for yourself. Uh, you're constantly moving and, and, you're, and you're, taking, um, you're taking your runs. You're taking your cuts. Uh, so, so you can get tired, but it's not it's not demanding yeah. on too demanding on the body. Whereas when you're trying to post up down low, and Kalk doesn't have a lot of meat on his bones. He's got a lot of height. He's got a lot of length, but he doesn't have he doesn't have that that concrete foundation that you see from a lot of big men mm-hmm. in the Big East. But in college basketball, just in general, it's a lot more difficult. Um, but he. Believe it or not, still makes it look easy. Mm -hmm. He still finds the way to get the basketball, and it may not look pretty every time it's going up because he's getting bodied out of position, but he's still able to finish at the rack. And Kalk ended that game in double figures, 16 points, but he – it seemed like he started to slow down in the second half once Shireman and Alexander really started picking up steam. Yeah, absolutely. I would say the same in the fact that I think Baylor just kind of took over that second half for this team, and then Trey started off four for five right away, so I think that helped. And then Kalkbrenner getting into the post and creating, I, I think he just has such a nice touch that sometimes you just forget about what kind of presence he is. It's hard to forget about him just because – obviously his size and physicality but um when when those guys around him are doing so well it's easy to let Kalkbrenner get a few in a row and then uh, get this team going between the post and also the three so I think that was huge but yeah I think it was a quieter second half for him but it didn't really matter because they had other guys step up and I think that's what's so dangerous about the Creighton team once again Baylor Shireman plays every minute of the basketball game 40 minutes um it's it's funny. It's funny because you would think the guy that on this team that would play the entire game would be Trey Alexander. Right. Yet it, it always happens to be uh, Baylor Shireman, uh, a true fighter, stays out of foul trouble. Uh, 20 points in the game, as you said, r- really started to get hot in the second half. And when he made that first three, I remember, I remember Kugler saying. Don't let him get started. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Xavier at this point wasn't too far, um, you know, out of the lead. Uh, Creighton started to really extend uh, once the game, you know, got to like under seven. You know, the, sure. they would get up seven points and then it would, be, it would become four. But then another three would make it seven. And they never got, allowed Xavier to really um, – Get, get that score close again. Uh, you know, it ends 85-78, and you may be thinking, well, that's a close score. But when you're talking about the difference of three points as, as the score is shifting back and forth, it feels like an eternity mm-hmm. to try to get back to the number you're trying to hit. And Shireman was that guy to answer. Oh, and yeah. they found a way to answer. And it's funny because you watch what they did against UConn, and they never could get an answer in the scoring column. But they also got – they also got tatered on the glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, second chance points were a problem against UConn. They were actually a problem against Xavier too, but yeah. Creighton was able to mask those issues because of their scoring ability. When you shoot the ball in this game, 39% from three, 49% from the field, you still have a, a chance to win even when you fail in one category mm-hmm. because team success can carry you past a, a certain bump in the road. But against UConn, there was – only bumps in the road yeah. there were there was there was no positive takeaways from that UConn game but this right here showed me a lot and one play I wanted to point out in particular and I was shocked that uh, a rebound 
didn't get credited to him was the play from Isaac Trout early in the first half. So uh, on the front end, he was coming off a, a made three. Then he hustles back on defense, and he was out of position. I, I don't remember if it was a floater from Xavier or if it was a shot, and he was trying to uh, regroup and get in front of his, his man, but he was going to get beat for the offensive board. But he fought through, sideswiped, and was able to either get the, the takeaway or, or the rebound, and he, he saved it and, and, and got it to Kalkbrenner. And, you know, I felt like Leonardo DiCaprio in that moment. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Just pointing at the screen. <laughs> because I'm like, that's what I've been looking for out of this mm. team. Effort. Yeah. Effort on the glass. And that right there showed it, and it showed it in the best way possible because it came from somebody that doesn't touch the floor a lot. Mm. And it, it shows that – not only does this Creighton team have depth, but they have heart all the way down their bench. For somebody to come in and just be like, no, I'm going to make the most of my minutes, I'm like, that, that's that. Mm. I've, been, I've been waiting for that, especially coming off of that yeah. UConn game. I mean, there was a play, too, if you remember. Uh, there was two offensive boards on the possession, and Baylor Shireman ended up making a three. Yeah, he the Farabello tip one. back. Yep, and then that's the kind of effort I'm talking about and, and you're speaking about, but Francisco Farabello, that's who I want to be that energy and defensive guy for Creighton. I think he's really fallen into that role and, and getting crucial steals at big moments and, and just being a guy that's going to hustle on that play like you just mentioned, but it has to go throughout the whole team as well because, I mean, you look at the bench points for Creighton in any given night, it's only between, like, two to seven, eight, mm-hmm. nine points. They're heavily reliant on their starters. Right, they're, they're really relying on those starters, so that's when you have to have heart, you have to have that effort because if you want to make a deep March Madness run, that's what it's going to take, and I think there is that within this team, and Greg McDermott said it in pretty much every press conference about battling on the glass, and that's been a huge, I think, point of emphasis between their practices and also just what they talk about in the locker room. But I think he really challenged his team to say, like, hey, we might be one of the best scoring teams in the Big East, but we have to be a better defensive team and rebounding team. And I, I talked with Kalkbrenner about defense last night, and, and he said, hey, we have aspirations to win the Big East and make a deep mar- March Madness run, and that's not going to come unless we're a two two-sided team we already got the offense figured out for the most part but defense really still needs help and still is improving and I think a lot of that goes to effort not only rebounding defensively obviously but um, again the offensive boards have to come when you need those second chance points especially if it's a night that they're not shooting well and one more note before we change gears and talk Nebraska what I think is the most underrated trait of this team is they do such a good job of taking away the opponent's leading scorer. Mm-hmm. Such a good job. And now that's credit to, to Ashworth um, because I thought he, he was kind of a menace uh, to Olivari last night. Uh, you, you, you add Farabello into that yeah. mix a lot too, and you, you get kind of some scrappy play from the two of them. But if you just go back four games ago, you have Joel Soriano – who got his points, had 13, but that's below his season average. Mm-hmm. So Kalk did an awesome job yep. of, of making it difficult on him, and that's what propelled Creighton to win that game. Then you go back and you look at UConn, and yes, Caravan and, and the Huskies controlled the entire game, but Caravan only had 13, that wasn't the most, mm-hmm. and he was the hottest player coming into that matchup. Yep. Had, you know... 
they, they, they didn't really have a chance to win in that game. So, I mean, we can kind of push that one to the side, but it's still uh, something to take note of that, hey, even in their worst, they took away the opposition's leading scorer. Then you look at um, Kadari Raymond mm -hmm. against Seton Hall. If it weren't for triple overtime, he wouldn't have hit his nope. season average. But he ends with 21, and that tied for the team. But, again, he played 51 minutes in that basketball game. It's not hard to hit, get to your your season total, right. if not a little bit more. And then you had Quincy Alivari last night with 13 points. That's under his season average. They just do such a great job of removing a key piece mm -hmm. of their opponent. Creighton's a team that won't let one man beat them, I think is a good way to put it. It has to be a full team effort if someone's going to – no no player, I think, can single-handedly beat this Creighton team just based upon the talent that they have. So it's really got to be a great shooting night for the opposition and um, a lack thereof for, for the Creighton side. But, yeah, it's a really good point that Creighton's done a really good job. And I think something else that goes unnoticed is how good Creighton is at guarding the perimeter. Last night, 7 of 21 for Xavier. So that was honestly a better shooting night for a lot of – Creighton's um, opponents they've they've held teams at two three four three pointers in games especially in a, a league like the Big East that likes to put up the three ball but um, yeah I think that goes unnoticed a little bit but again I, I, I think they've done a great job at limiting those scores and it just comes down to defense at the end of the day for Creighton of their biggest question mark. So it's it's going to be an interesting thing to unfold as, as time goes on. And, and speaking of as time goes on these next six games could easily be W's in the column for Creighton mm -hmm. because you have DePaul coming up, you have a couple against Butler, you have another one against Xavier, Providence is mixed in there, uh, Georgetown ends the the so-called easier schedule. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that lightly because yeah. Georgetown's actually playing some pretty good basketball right now. But you know any game in the Big East could could go any sort of direction, but that's. That's the stretch before UConn and Marquette mm -hmm. and Villanova. Um, St. John's is mixed in there, too. So you have a nice window here, a window of opportunity to really take away maybe, you know, five, six more wins. You could be 20, 21, and five come UConn. So uh, the schedule's pretty loose right now for Creighton, but that's nothing to sleep on, too, in the Big East. If you look at what happened up in Lincoln – well, you could call it a masterful performance <laughs> by the Huskers oh up there. Rink Mast had a career night, 34 points. He was 6 of 8 from downtown. And, uh, you know, it, it was easy to point out that the Huskers knew who the hot hand was because Mast was getting the basketball yeah. like Casey Tominaga gets the <laughs> basketball uh, around the perimeter. And he just, he just couldn't miss. But you know what? We take what you're given, yep. and that's what Rink Mass did. No, it, it was it was fun to see. I was obviously at the Creighton game, but I got to watch highlights and uh, see everyone freaking out on Twitter because of Mass play. And um, I think it, it was just a great night in Lincoln. And I feel like if you're the Huskers right now, you're kind of treating every single game like it's win or go home because you want the best possible position for March Madness. And um, they had a couple losses that they really wanted back. And I think Josiah Alex said in, in one of the post games that some of those losses haunt his dreams every day because um, of how close they were and a few that they should have won. But um, I think you treat every game like it's your last if you're in Nebraska. And they certainly did that last night and, and just went off against Ohio State. And I mean, give the man the ball, like ring mass, like just keep feeding him. If it's his night, it's his night. And I, I think that says a lot about Casey Tomanaga too. And, and like, he understands the moment of, Hey, maybe it's not my night. I mean, I'm still going to get my shots when I can, but let's feed this guy.
for the third straight Peacock game as well. Blood oh, was yeah. drawn on Rink Mass uh, body at yep. some point. Uh, this time it was on the back of the arm. It's, it's pretty crazy how that's actually a stat and uh, will probably be something <laughs> that people talk about uh, as uh, I like to call them stupid stats. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'm a big fan of the stupid stats sometimes. Um, but. Let's not overlook C.J. Wilcher and Bryce Williams also having pretty big games for the Huskers. They combined for 30 points. Home basketball is not a problem. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just say that right now. For the Huskers, it's not about playing at home. It's about playing on the road, and that's what they have to do next against Maryland. So it's about what can they carry over now, and I think it's a couple of things. Uh, One, uh, Maryland's no more special than Ohio State. In fact, they are lower in the conference standings, but – The only thing that they have going for them is that they are the best uh, defending scoring in the Big Ten. They rank 22nd nationally in defensive efficiency. Uh, That's in the Ken Palm rankings. Uh, They're among the best teams in the country defending the interior. They're number 11 nationally uh, defensively against two-point shots. And they're 20 points, or 20 rather, 20 spots lower than Ohio State in the Ken Palm rankings. So it's not like they're going to present a really tough task for Nebraska. It's just about kind of ripping the monkey off the back now. Like yep. you, you, you have to find a way to win on the road. I was telling Ravi yesterday, if this team wants any chance of winning, or not even winning a game, but getting to the NCAA tournament, they have to win on the road. They oh, have yeah. to prove that they can win on the road. Mm-hmm. And especially because once you get to March Madness, obviously those are all neutral courts, but – it's pretty much the same thing as playing an away game, especially if um, half the crowd isn't rooting for you. I'm sure Nebraska fans would travel for that, of course. But then you, you look at the home schedule, too, and you got Wisconsin. And I think that's going to be a, a very telling game for Nebraska. And um, excited to see how they respond in that game. And then you play an Illinois team who's ranked number 10 in the country right now on the road. So they've got quite the amount of battles upcoming. Um I think it's just going to be a real um, identifier of how well this team can do, not only in the Big Ten tournament, but also in a postseason run because you're playing in hostile environments at some points and environments at least you're uncomfortable with. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see how they how they respond. But you don't want to be known as a team that can't go on the road and win ball games. But Fred Hoiberg said it in a post-game press conference. He's like, I know this team can can win away games. It's, it's not something I want this team to identify with. But – at least you get a good one at home, um, a confidence booster, if you will, and then you, you do play a good Maryland team on the road, so I think that game will, will tell a lot about the Huskers. And, and not that this team needs added belief, but maybe somebody should tell them, like, hey, guys, John Fanta predicted you to go dancing before the season even started. There you go. And even yesterday, you Joe Lenardi called you guys that team that would, you know, be mid in your conference, but be kind of like that – surprise mm-hmm. run team in the NCAA tournament. Like that's that's the that's what you carry right now. That's how people yeah. look at you. Believe that you can also be that team. It's not just at home. You guys don't need the the Lincoln environment to showcase your abilities. Mm-hmm. Do it somewhere else. Bring your own energy. You can. Uh, the other point too um, and this was pointed out to me yesterday, uh, a couple of good talking points, but the first one Nebraska's plus 21 in rebounding in their last two games. Mm -hmm. You you can win a lot when you don't give up a lot of second-chance points. And uh, Nebraska's doing a very good job of finding a body, getting a rebound. You mentioned Josiah Alec. I love the 
the, the physical nature of his game. He's kind of, he's somewhat a loose cannon out there. <laughs> he, um, he cracks me up. But, he's one of my favorite players to watch. But he, he goes after it. He does. He, he gets after what he uh, – he, he gets after his. And, you know, Sam Hoiberg's a little bit like that too. Um, I, I don't remember when I was talking to Mike Sauter about this, but – I asked him the question, most important to the team right now, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, C.J. Wilcher or Sam Hoiberg? Mm -hmm. And it was a hard answer because Wilcher was hitting almost every three and still is. Um, But Hoiberg gives you the chance to to have a point guard that plays with a lot of speed and transition Mm. but also isn't somebody that creates for himself, he creates for others. And it was, it was funny because as you talk about the bench, it's like, well, it, it's nice to have guys of different strengths. It's, it's not really about who's better right now. Right. It's about having the right pieces on your team. And Nebraska has found a way to click more mm-hmm. than probably Creighton's found a way to click more at this point. I mean, especially with the bench, and I think that's one of the biggest indicators of, of how well a team can do with – the sparks off the bench like when you can put a guy in like Josiah Alec and have him go get a few boards maybe he doesn't create five or six points but that's okay if he doesn't turn the ball over and he's just simply doing his job and maybe having a steal or having a block um, every now and then I think that's huge and you mentioned Sam Hoiberg too and I think he's just a big um, not only energy guy but a glue guy for the team and you throw that term out there and sometimes has a negative connotation of like oh you're not a star player you're just a glue player but no I think that's so important to teams and having those guys that can come off the bench do their job not be selfish they're not going in there and trying to get their own when they're in for 10 minutes 20 minutes of a game they're they're trying to truly do what's best for the team and and fill in spots where they need and I I think the bench role is so undervalued obviously because they don't get all the the limelight but uh, I think sometimes those are the teams that do so well in the postseason and March Madness and tournament um, when it comes to postseason tournaments for for conference too and probably a reason why John Fanta put them up there and people are talking about how this Nebraska team could be a surprise in March and I wouldn't doubt it either because of the sparks that they can get off their bench and also relying on their starters it's huge. Everything went right for the Huskers yesterday 16 second chance points opposed to two on the other side bench points were pretty similar on both ends and then of course you had a career nine from rank mast everything went well how about everything carries over and goes well again against by Maryland? the way because you have to think about what they have in front of them after that game and it's two ranked matchups yep. like you said one with wisconsin that one being at home which okay you're probably <laughs> in a good spot uh but then the next one is on the road at illinois yeah. another top 10 team go ahead shane is that rank mast uh stat with peacock is that a is that a prop <laughs> Maybe next time they play on Peacock, but I know a lot of people are upset whenever the Huskers are on Peacock. So uh, how about we hope that they aren't on Peacock anymore this year? We don't yeah. want him bleeding anymore also. No, no we don't. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, if he's going to put up 34 <laughs> points, I'll scratch him in the back of the arm myself. <laughs> I, I will draw some red juice on the back of that man's arm just so that it can, uh, it can turn out to be a, a 34-point night, a double-double night. Let, let's add that in, too. Yeah. Ten total boards for, for rank mast. And, um, you know, when, when a player is hot. Uh, stay hot. So uh, that's the inside look on both Nebraska basketball matchups. Uh, when we come back, I want to get into one more point before we touch on um, some national storylines. Because yesterday um, at the game, Dylan Rayola sat with yeah. John Cook and um, some of the volleyball personnel. 
And, you know, I, I heard this from a longtime listener of the show. Um, he goes, I wonder what his teammates think of that. And I kind of like sat back and I go, well, how so? Like good, bad? I'll tell you the answer. <laughs> When we come back from break, again, we have a great show set up for you. Coming your way at 8 o'clock, we'll dive back into Nebraska basketball with Brian Christofferson. Um, He gave his play-by-play on Husker 24-7 last night. And then we'll also touch on some Nebraska football recruiting with him as well. But when we come back, that answer. Do Dylan Mariola's teammates think it's good or bad that he sits with John Cook? And maybe how does the fan base react? We'll get into that next here on Herd at Sports Radio.